The Atlanta Braves end the road trip on a high note with a comeback win on Wednesday night thanks to a late home run for Orlando. Arcia will talk about that and take a look around the league on this Through the League Thursday. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast we do in our mailbag episode on Friday. So make sure you look out for the tweet from that main account so that you can submit your questions for that podcast. If you're new on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button and that thumbs up button to help support the show. And I thank you for all the support that you give me. I'm hearing from a lot of you in the comment section on YouTube. Let me know you're in every day or letting me know how much you enjoy the podcast. And that means the world to me. So thank you so much for those comments. And thank you so much for supporting Locked On Braves and making it your first listen of each and every day. On today's podcast, we're going to recap Wednesday's exciting 6-5 win over the Texas Rangers, the late-inning heroics from Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, and Orlando Arcia. We'll talk about all that and Spencer Strider's outing as well. And then we'll do our Through the League segment on this Thursday, taking a look at some of the biggest stories around the league, including all the drama going on in the Yankees-Blue Jays series, which has been pretty entertaining and funny to watch at times. Well, let's start with the Wednesday game, a 6-5 to five comeback win over the Texas Rangers, and the Braves win this series. And I say it, be, say it like that because I don't think many fans feel like the Braves won this series with the way they played for much of it. I mean, they dominated on Monday, that's for sure, but for the majority of these last two games, it felt like the Braves were still fighting themselves. But in the end, they win this series, and they win against a very good team on the road. So a very impressive series win altogether for the Atlanta Braves. Any series win you can take helps salvage a road trip as well that would have just been absolutely devastating had they lost that game on Wednesday, come back home, get the off day on Thursday, so you got to sit on it a little bit longer, and then you got another tough uh, stretch of games coming up as well, the Mariners, the Dodgers, the Phillies coming up here the rest of this month. So huge win. Can't overstate it enough how big it was to come back and get that win on Wednesday, what it means for that, again, that road trip, finishing it on a high note, having the off day, and then coming back home. And it was it was a game where, you know, a lot of back and forth, and the Braves really had to battle. They went up 2 to nothing early on the Eddie Rosario home run. Then they fell behind 4-2, kind of cut back into it, got back within one on the Acuna home run, and then fell behind 5-3 to the bullpen allowed a run there, and then they came back, tied it up in the eighth inning, took the lead in the ninth inning. And I want to start in that eighth inning, and of course, like it typically does, it all starts with Ronald Acuna Jr. He gets a leadoff and bat, and he gets a walk, and it almost seemed like they wanted nothing to do with Ronald Acuna Jr. in that at bat. Four balls all just way off the plate away. They didn't really want to give him anything to hit, which I can understand right now because he is on – Quite a roll. Uh, did have home, one home run in this game, which we'll talk about. Almost had two. 
Uh, so he is just crushing the baseball right now. And with the way the guys behind him have been performing, Olsen, uh, Riley, I know Ozzy's in the, the three-hole for this particular game, but with the way those guys have been rather not performing behind him, uh, it makes sense, I think, right now for a lot of teams to want to pitch around Acuna. And I think that's going to be something to watch until Olsen and Riley do get going as do teams start to be a little bit more careful with Acuna? Do you see him take more walks? And does that lead to Acuna trying to be overly aggressive because you know he doesn't want to take those walks? He wants to to hit the ball and hit the ball hard. Now he does, and he'll be, he's willing to take his walks for sure. And thankfully, long-winded way of saying, he did that to start the eighth inning, which was great to see. And then he stole second base. And I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. I know you want to wait on that two-run homer and you run the risk of getting thrown out and caught stealing and then you know Olsen's two-run homer turns into a solo or Riley's home run or Murphy or whoever's hitting behind him. It's a huge risk when you got those big home run threats hitting behind Acuna that you cause yourself a run by getting caught stealing. But I got to see Ronald go more. When he gets a single, he gets a walk. I mean, I want to see him go every time, but – because of all the double plays the Braves have hit into this year, and they hit into some more in this game as well. I got to see Ronnie getting on base and running and taking that double play out of the equation for those bats behind him. And he did that. He got on with the walk, stole second base. Olsen did strike out after I saw some really good signs on Tuesday. It was back to Matt Olsen really struggling to make contact on Wednesday night. Obviously was facing a very good starter in Nathan Evaldi, but Rough night for Matt Olson at the plate. And then Ozzy batting third with a right-handed starter. Very interesting decision. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't love it. But with Sean Murphy not in there, I guess I somewhat understand it. I've been a long believer that put Ozzy in the five, six hole in the lineup and just let him stay there. I, I just think that's where he excels the most. He's not an on-base guy. He's somebody who's going to drive in runs, give you the extra base hits, home runs, the doubles. Put him in the fifth, sixth spot in the batting order and just leave him alone. But he did. Uh, they did bat him third, and it ended up turning out good because he got a hit in that eighth inning that drove in Acuna, made it a one-run game again. And then Austin Riley, another great swing in this series. He took a curveball down and was able to get under that pitch, drive it into the left center field gap, got a 13-degree launch angle again on that pitch down. That's what we've been wanting to see from him. He's really struggled with the off-speed stuff particularly down and in. This one's more down middle. When I first saw it, I thought it was more down and in, but it was really more down middle. But either way, able to get under that ball, drive it into the left center field gap to score Ozzy from first base and tie this game. You combine that with a home run he hit in game one of this series, a line drive out to right center. So a couple of really good swings, and I think some encouraging signs for Austin Riley. I think there were encouraging signs for Riley and Olsen in this series. Like I said, Olsen on Tuesday night, some of the better swings I've seen from him in a while. And then, Again, you couple the home run on Monday and the double on Wednesday with Riley, two really good swings. So, again, we're looking for anything that we can point to to say these two guys are getting ready to break out of their slump. In this series alone, Riley doubled his doubles total and home run total for the month of May. He has just two doubles and two home runs in the month of May. So, again, looking for signs of him to get going. Then in the ninth inning, Orlando Arcia opposite field home run changeup. He had just fouled off a, a pretty good changeup low and away. And then pitcher went back to it. Apologize. I don't remember the name of the pitcher, but went back to it and left it up. And Arcia was able to get the bat on it 
hit it 399 feet the other way with an exit velocity of 103.1. I mentioned this on the postcast with Grant McCauley. He has been better since coming back. In April, he hit 341, 400, 537 before the injury. Since coming back in the month of May, he's slashing 355, 412, 410, uh, sorry, 510 with a, with uh, coming back from that injury. So he has been better since coming back from the microfracture in the wrist. I mean, I just can't say enough good things about Orlando Arcia, what he's done defensively and at the plate. Now it becomes a matter of do you move him up in the lineup while he's hot and while some of those other bats are struggling. You hate to really mess with a good thing right now, but uh, he's been probably the third best bat all season for the Atlanta Braves behind Acuna and Sean Murphy. Early home runs in this one I mentioned. Eddie got it started with a two-run homer that snapped Nathan Avaldi's scoreless streak at 29 and two-thirds innings. So when I say the Braves faced a pretty good pitcher on this night, they did, and we'll talk about that when we look at some of the top pitchers from around the league here in a minute. Acuna gave the Braves their third run with a just a pedestrian 429-foot home run. Chump change for Ron Acuna Jr. He actually you know, didn't get to celebrate this one right out of the box. He wasn't sure uh, as soon as he hit it like some of these others. So, uh, again, another home run for Acuna. In four, hit, him, hit one in four straight games now, and he's currently on pace for 40 home runs and 60 stolen bases. Never been done before, and he is on quite the home run binge right now let's hope that continues um still just one and seven with runners in scoring position did have a, some clutch hits by ozzy and austin riley with runners on base which was encouraging to see but i talked yesterday about the brave struggles with runners in scoring position and how they're due to have some good luck there if you didn't give that a listen make sure you go back and do so i thought it was a really good uh breakdown of the braves ability or lack of ability with runners in scoring position this year but how their hard hit percentage, their hard hit rate with runners in scoring position was due to see a turnaround. Uh, looking at the start for Spencer Strider, not a great one for him. Obviously, he is allowed to have a bad start every now and then. Started out great. Everything looked fine. But overall, when you look at his final line, five innings, six hits, three walks, four earned, seven strikeouts, and two home runs and 88 pitches. He did have 19 whiffs, 37% whiff rate, which is good for a normal pitcher. But, you know, for Spencer Strider, not necessarily his best performance. Just 26 called strikes and whiffs. Again, very good for a normal pitcher, but Spencer Strider's not a normal pitcher. He is a Cy Young candidate. He is one of the best, if not the best pitcher in all of baseball right now. He's usually well over 30 called, called strikes and whiffs. So again, not his best outing, but great to see the offense pick him up because he has picked the offense up so many times in his young career. He threw 19 sliders in this one. Not a single one was put in play. 11 swings on the against his slider, four whiffs, one called strike. Um, so the rest of them were just foul balls. So I'm going to be honest. I don't want to be too, too overly critical here, and I don't want anybody to run away with this one. I did not love the pitch selection from Travis Darno behind the plate tonight, whether it was with Spencer Strider, who clearly lost command of that fastball in the third and fourth innings, not going to that slider a little bit more, and then A.J. Minter, which I'll talk about here more in a second. But as far as Strider goes, nobody put the slider in play. He threw, he did throw more change-ups. I like to see that change and those calls from Travis Darno going away from the fastball, which he was struggling with. Threw 11 change-ups, two whiffs on four swings and two called strikes with the changeup. Just a 90.3 mile per hour average exit velocity again, so not terrible 
for Spencer Strider. I went back and looked at all six hits allowed. The home runs to Adolis. The first one was just a fastball right down the middle. Adolis is a strong individual. He's going to hit that out the majority of the time. The second was on a one-two pitch, and it was supposed to be a fastball down. He left it up, missing location. Adolis able to get to it and drive it out the other way. Again, very strong individual. The hit by Leotis Tiveras. This is one I, I didn't love. It was a one-two pitch again. TDA called for a fastball up and in, and he threw it down and away and gave Leotis the opportunity to get the barrel on it and get a hit. The hit by Robbie Grossman, another fastball right down the middle, and then the hit by Josh Smith, a bit of a jam job, infield single, just tough luck there. But, you know, all the all the majority of the hits there were just a missing location, particularly with the fastball. He just lost command of it after that second inning. Bullpen, you know, does the job, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I don't feel all that comfortable whenever the bullpen doors open up at this point, but Chavez had a smooth sixth inning, came back out for the seventh, gave up the one-out triple to Simeon. They bring in Mentor, and this is where I have some issues with the way Travis Darno kind of called things here. He clearly didn't read my article over on Braves today, but he calls for a first-pitch cutter to Corey Seager, who is notoriously an aggressive swinger, and he leaves the cutter over the middle, which, again, I've talked about. The cutter's not good enough, and Corey Seager rips it to, to center. 380 feet, 105.5 miles per hour off the bat. Luckily, Michael Harris was able to run it down, even though that wasn't the greatest route in the world, but his speed makes up for it. He makes a catch. It is a sack fly, scores the runner. And then TDA calls three more sliders to Nathaniel Lowe. Now, these were off the plate. The first two were off the plate for balls. The third one was just on the edge away, and he got him to roll over on it, but still – I think that cutter has to be a pitch that you throw right now when you're ahead in the count and you can throw it off the plate to try to get a swing and miss. It's not a pitch I think he needs to use very often early in counts. It's just not not a great pitch for him, and I don't know what else to say. I don't know what the Braves are missing on this. Go look at the stats. The cutter's just not that effective. Nick Anderson walked a one-out walk, but otherwise was solid. Iglesias fell behind the eight-hole hitter 3-0, and but was able to come back, work a solid, uh, clean inning, which he needed after Sunday, threw a beautiful uh, slider to Marcus Simeon to get the strikeout, the final out of the game. So overall, great job by the bullpen. All right, next we'll take a look through the league, look at the standings right now, talk about some of the biggest news and some of the league leaders. Before we do that, let me tell you about Bird Dogs. Uh, I'm fortunate to work from home, and they sent me a, a pair the other day of their shorts and they are uh, fantastic to wear. I've been wearing them ever since they're, they're great. They feel comfortable and they're so versatile as well. Like I said, I work from home. I also you know run the kids here and there, and it's great to have a pair of comfortable shorts that I can wear for just about any occasion. What I really enjoyed about them is they're cool. And, you know, living in the deep South, being able to have some clothes that help you feel cool uh, is certainly a big plus, And I definitely feel that with the bird dogs. Uh, shorts that they sent me so if you're looking for that you're you know need that type of comfortability flexibility versatility then bird dogs are definitely a great fit for you go to birddogs.com slash locked on mlb when you enter the promo code locked on mlb they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order again that's birddogs.com slash locked on mlb enter the promo code locked on mlb the Braves will be back in action on Friday night against the Seattle Mariners at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. 
We'll see if they can carry that momentum over from Wednesday's comeback win. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. It's our through Thursday through the league segment. We'll talk about everything going on around Major League Baseball. On Friday, we'll have our mailbag podcast, so make sure that you send in your questions for that. Uh, go through the divisions real quick. Obviously, in the NL East, Miami is the only team with a winning record over the last 10 games. Pretty interesting there. They are in second place in the NL East, five games behind the Atlanta Braves, the only other team in the NL East with a winning record. Mets are six and a half games back at 21 and 23. The Phillies are seven games back at 20 and 23. And the Nationals, nine games back at 18 and 25. So luckily, Braves haven't been playing great lately. They're going through this tough stretch against good teams. And other teams in the NL East haven't really taken advantage to this point. Other division standing, Rays up three and a half games on the Orioles in that tough AL East. The Twins are up three and a half games on the Tigers and four games on the Guardians in the AL Central. The Rangers are now just two games up on the Astros in the AL West after the Braves won that series. The Brewers have overtaken the Pirates in the NL Central. And don't look now, but the Cardinals are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, and they're playing better baseball Dodgers are on top in the NL West. Diamondbacks are three games back. The Padres are three and a half games back, or they were three and a half games back last week. They are now eight games back. Tough times over there for the for the Padres, who had a team meeting on uh, Wednesday. We'll see what that does. Manny Machado also has a fracture in his hand that he's trying to play through. So tough times over there for the Padres. Uh, we'll see if they can get it going. Power rankings for this week. Rays, Dodgers take over the NL lead over the Braves. Uh, Braves at three. Rangers, Blue Jays, Orioles, Yankees, Astros, Twins, Brewers. Those are your MLB power rankings for this week. League leaders, this week we're going to look at expected stats. So we're going to uh, start with ex-WOBA, expected weighted on base uh, per, uh, average. This uses exit velocity, launch angle, and sprint speed to determine you know, what uh, What a batter would, would have on the ball that they put in play, you know, not taking defense into effect. Ron Acuna Jr., as you might imagine, leads this category at 487. Sean Murphy is second at 453. Then it's Aaron Judge at 444. Vlad Jr. at 427. And Yandy, Yandy Diaz at 423. Worst trade maybe I've ever made. I traded Yandy Diaz uh, in my fantasy baseball league, and he has been absolutely great for the Rays this season. Expected slugging percentage, Acuna. Expected slugging percentage for Ron Acuna Jr. is 713. It's just unreal. Judge is at 694. Murphy's at 644. Matt Chapman, 613. And Vlad Jr. at 603. I want to give an honorable mention to Jorge Soler as well. An expected slug of 586. I know everybody still loves Jorge Soler and hoping maybe he finds his way back to this team. Uh, but he's you know he had a walk-off home run this past week as well. Expected batting average, Acuna, 357. Tells you what he's doing right now isn't luck that his XBA is still that high. It's about the same as his as his regular batting average. Acuna's not getting lucky. He's just hitting the ball extremely hard, making really good contact. Bobachet's XBA is 339. Luis Horizon, 325. Vlad Jr., 319. And Freddie Freeman, 319. Brace fans don't want to hear that right now with the way that Matt Olson's been swinging. Now, you look at the pitcher side of things, expected batting average against pitchers. Otani is first at 171, Strider second, 182, Darvish 203, Joe Ryan 203, Shane McClanahan 205. Joe Ryan's a pitcher I haven't really watched a lot of, but he has been 
one of the better pitchers. He's definitely right there in that AL Cy Young race uh, with the way he's pitching for the Twins. Expect or ex Woba for pitchers. So same thing as hitters, but on the pitching side of things, Joe Ryan at the top of this list at 231, Strider second, 259, Drew Rasmussen 264. Unfortunate news for Drew Rasmussen. Looks like he's going to be on the 60-day IL. I don't know if he'll be back this year. Tough news for him. He was having a great season. He was also on my fantasy team, so tough news for me personally. But really hate that for Drew Rasmussen, a really good pitcher. Great stuff. Uh, Drew Smiley, 265, uh, ex-WOBA Braves fans. Uh, probably don't want to hear that either. Eduardo Rodriguez, 266. And then expected ERA, Joe Ryan, again, at the top of this list, 216. Striders at 240, Eduardo Rodriguez 260, Rasmussen 281, and Nathan Navaldi 283, who the Braves just faced. Uh, news from around the league. The biggest stories from this past week obviously surrounds the drama between the Yankees and Blue Jays. First game of that series, the Blue Jays announcers were talking about Aaron Judge peeking into the dugout in a couple of his at-bats before hitting home runs. My personal take on it is, yeah, something was going on there. I don't necessarily think it's illegal, but I think somehow they must have picked up on something uh, that the pitcher and catcher were doing. I don't know how you do that with Pitchcom these days, but you don't just peek into the dugout like that. I mean, and he did it twice. Something was going on there. I don't know what it was. I don't necessarily think it's, it was illegal, but something was going on there for sure. Blue Jays were complaining about uh, where coaches were staying in the box on the field, which no coach ever stays in the box on the field. That led to grown men yelling at each other during the game about staying in a box, which I just found completely hilarious that you got grown men saying, you know, yelling at people to stay in their box. Apparently the Blue Jays manager called one of the Yankees managers fat boy. It has been a wild series between the Yankees and Blue Jays. And if that wasn't enough, then Domingo Herman got caught with sticky stuff on his hand and got ejected from the game. You know, and this was after the judge incident. So now everybody's calling the Yankees cheaters. Uh, it's just been a wild, wild series between these two. The Blue Jays, Yankees won the first two. Blue Jays had a walk-off hit on Wednesday night. And this series is not over. You get another opportunity to watch the drama unfold on Thursday night. So it has been just a wild, wild series between the Blue Jays and Yankees this past week. Uh, youth movement for the Mets is in full effect. They ha already had Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty up. Now they called up Mark Vientos, who had a big home run for them on Wednesday, and their comeback win in extra innings over the Rays. So I mentioned this before the season started. I like the Mets' chances because I like the youth that they have coming up offensively. But they need their starting pitching to stay healthy, and they need they need some help in the rotation for sure. But you are starting to see this youth movement for them, which I think is going to help out their lineup a ton. Great, great news for Liam Hendricks, White Sox reliever. He's nearing a return less than six months after he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. That's going to be a great return for him, which could happen as soon as this weekend. So that's great news. Love to hear that for Liam. Um Dodgers rookie James Outman. He has two grand slams this year. I think he's probably the front runner for NL Rookie of the Year right now. I don't know how the Dodgers keep finding these kids. It's really not fair. Uh, but James Outman's been been great for them. Nolan Arenado hit a home run in five straight games. Acuna's just one behind him right now. But Arenado's getting hot. I don't think it's much of a coincidence that the Cardinals are getting hot 
at the same time. Jack Flaherty also had a nice uh, pitched game the other day as well with Wilson, Wilson Contreras catching. So the Cardinals were the drama last week. This week it's the Blue Jays and Yankees, but Cardinals have put that behind them. They're playing good baseball now. Trevor Bauer getting lit up in Japan, and I only really mentioned that because I had a lot of you in the offseason asking me if the Braves should take a flyer on Trevor Bauer. I kept saying no, kept saying no, and now he's getting absolutely torched in Japan right now. Reds call up infielder top prospect Matt McClain. Reds are going to be a really fun team, I think, here. Maybe by the end of this season, they got uh, maybe the top prospect in all of baseball and Ellie De La Cruz, who could be coming up soon. Uh, Incarnacion Strands at AAA as well could be their first baseman by the end of the season. They already have some interesting pitching prospects. Uh, Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft up right now, Nick Lodolo as well. Uh, so I think the Reds are going to be a fun team pretty soon. I hope so. I really do like that franchise. Had a great time. Me and my family went to Cincinnati for a game. So I'm kind of somewhat a Reds fan as well, I guess you could say. I really hope to see them turn things around. Angels designated reliever Ryan Tapera for assignment. If you were looking for the Braves to pick up a reliever and maybe stash him in AAA for depth, I think that could be an option there. I think there's probably going to be plenty of other teams looking to Ryan Tapera. Uh, but did want to at least mention that. And Dustin May out for at least a month with an elbow injury for the Dodgers. Pitcher, pitching injuries are, are up. I know somebody asked me in the last mailbag if it's related to a pitch clock um, you know, timer. Again, the article I read on The Athletic who went deep into the stats of it, there's no statistical data to point to that. And pitcher injuries in minor league baseball last year were down with the pitch clock. So... It's hard to tell right now, but pitching injuries are just off the charts at the moment. And we've really seen this trend for several years now, which is why I hesitate to just blame it on the pitch clock. Uh, but, it, you know, Braves are obviously feeling it. A lot of teams are feeling it right now. It's just pitcher injuries are up. And they've been, again, I think they've been going up for years and years. I think some of it goes back to the the COVID year and having that shortened season and then trying to work back up to that full uh, workload I think has a lot to do with it as well but hate to see all these pitching injuries affecting the game of baseball all right next speaking of pitching I'll tell you who's going to start for the Braves this weekend and when could we see the return of Michael Soroka we'll discuss that next so rare is a revolutionary revolutionary fantasy baseball game and telling you about about it for a while marketplace that transforms phone fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. I've been playing it all year long. Just got my new cards uh, this week after my reward rewards for the first set of this week. They do have two sets each and every week, a four and three day cycle. Some more opportunities to win rewards like scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, Meet MLB stars, all of that. Prizes vary depending on the level of competition, but it's a lot of fun competing with other cards, building these lineups, competing against other players. Uh, head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you use our, co our, our login, our URL, S-O-R-A-R-E.com. Uh, slash locked on to begin your journey today. It's so rare. All right. As always, words are getting hard for me here at the end of the segment. Apologize for that. Uh, but 
I do want to get to a little bit of news before we get out of here on this Thursday. Bryce Elder will start for the Braves on Friday to start that series with the Seattle Mariners. Then they could go with Charlie Morton on Saturday and Jared Schuster on Sunday if they want to. They haven't announced that yet. We'll see what they have in mind. Are they going to go with another bullpen game? Do they call up Dylan Dodd? He's eligible to come back this weekend. He hasn't pitched since Sunday, so I think you know he does could have an opportunity. To, you know they'd have to remove somebody from that bullpen, and there's not a lot of guys out there with options that you'd want to send down. So we'll see what happens there. Dodd obviously wasn't great in his two starts last week either. Um, not a great situation for the Braves overall, but we'll see how things pan out. They could technically go. Um, Elder, Morton, Schuster, Strider, and then they would need somebody for the second game of that Dodgers series, whether that would be a bullpen game or Dodd, or could it be Michael Soroka? And I watched the game on Wednesday with Gwinnett, an afternoon game, so I had an opportunity to sit down and watch it on my lunch break. 83 pitches for Michael Soroka. Struggled a little bit early in just about every game that I've watched, and I haven't watched all of his outings. It seems like he is struggling more in that first inning, trying to find that command. And then once he does, at least the last two outings that I've watched, really kind of settles in and starts to command it. And I thought his last two innings were the two best innings I've seen from him all year long. He was really in control, starting to get some swings and misses and some strikeouts, which I wasn't seeing him get in his previous start. So for me, again, of the ones I've watched, this was clearly the best outing for Michael Soroka. I hate, you know, he's one pitch short or one out short of getting through five innings, but he hit the last battery face. They were going back to the top of the order, and they really haven't let him throw much over 80 pitches in a start this year. I said coming into the season, they're going to slow play him. It's a long season. He hasn't pitched in two and a half years. You want him more pitching at the end of the year than you do right now. I think if he comes out and has one more start, you know, like he did on Wednesday, where he just looked more in control, uh, the actions looked more fluid, he looked like he was in a, a rhythm and a groove. You see him do that again. I think it's going to be hard not to call him up. And I think we're getting really close to the return of Michael Soroka. You know, keep everything kind of short here and simplistic. I think we're really, really close to seeing the return of Michael Soroka. It was the best I've seen him look all season. If he can do that, you know, one, maybe two more times, I think the Braves are going to give him an opportunity. Off day on Thursday, so we'll have a mailbag podcast. Uh, make sure you look for the tweet from Lockdown underscore Braves so that you can submit those questions. The Braves will resume play on Friday against the Seattle Mariners at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. It will be Bryce on Bryce with Bryce Elder going up against Bryce Miller. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure that you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 